Book Six, Chapter Three of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick MacLear. Book Six, Chapter Three. Battle of Merom and Division of the Land Joshua chapters 11 to 21 BC 1450 to 1444 Intelligence of the decisive battle of Beth Horon before long reached the ears of that powerful chief in northern Palestine who has been already mentioned, Jabin the Wise, whose capital, Hazor, was the principal fortress in that part of the country. Determined to make a last effort to defeat the Israelites, he rallied round his standard not only the chiefs in his own immediate neighbourhood, but from the plains south of the Sea of Galilee, or, as it was then called, the Sea of Kenereth, from the Valley of the Jordan, the maritime plain of Dor, and the as yet unconquered fortress of Jebus. Again encouraged by the Lord, with the promise of a decisive victory, Joshua did not shrink from encountering this formidable confederacy. Setting forth on a forced march, he burst upon the combined armies of the northern chiefs as they were encamped by the waters of Merom. As before, his attack was irresistible. The Lord delivered the vast hosts of the foe into the hands of Israel, who smote them with great slaughter, and chased them as far as the friendly city of great Zidon, on the west, and the valley of Mizpeh on the east. This was the first occasion on which the Israelites encountered the horses and iron chariots of the Canaanites. According to the special command of their leader, Joshua chapter 11 verse 6, they cut the hamstrings of their horses, so as to render them unfit for further use, and burnt the chariots with fire. Hazor, the stronghold of Jabin, was captured and burnt. Its king and all its inhabitants were put to the sword, the flocks and herds only being reserved as spoil for the people. The Battle of Merom was the last of Joshua's recorded engagements, but a long war, considered to have lasted nearly seven years, now occupied his energies, during which he proved his fidelity to the instructions given by the great lawgiver of the nation. As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. Till by the time he had completed his campaigns, six nations and thirty-one kings had swelled the role of his triumphs. Joshua chapter 11, verses 18 to 23, and chapter 12, verse 24. At length, when he was old and stricken in years, he was commanded to divide the conquered territory among the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The mode adopted was twofold. One, in some cases individual chiefs claimed particular spots on the score of their own prowess, or putting themselves at the head of armed predatory expeditions, conquered certain portions with the sword. The chief instance of this was afforded by the aged compere of Joshua, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
who now won distinction and renown for his own tribe of judah forty-five years had elapsed since as one of the twelve spies in company with joshua he had come down the valley of the cluster to hebron the fortress of the giant arba where they gathered the enormous bunch of syrian grapes on that memorable day moses had rewarded his eminent faithfulness by promising him the land whereon his feet had trod as an inheritance for himself and his children for ever numbers chapter fourteen verses twenty three and twenty four joshua chapter fourteen verse nine this winding valley then of the cluster this mountain joshua chapter fourteen verse twelve on which rose the stronghold of the anakims was the portion caleb desired for himself and hence with the divine aid he vowed to drive forth its gigantic possessors and take it for his own joshua willingly granted his request and the great warrior of the tribe of judah went up against the city of arba and drove out the sons of anak sheshai ahiman and talmai thence he proceeded southward to debir or kiriath sephir the city of books probably a sacred oracular place and promised to give to its successful assailant his daughter achsa in marriage thereupon othniel his nephew or according to others his younger brother attacked and took the fortress and won the promised prize on the way to othniel's house achsa dismounted from the ass on which she rode and begged her father to give her some better heritage than the dry and thirsty frontier of the desert below the spot on which rose the newly captured fortress was a bubbling rivulet falling into a rich valley thou hast given me said she a south land give me also the bubbling rills and he gave her the upper and lower bubblings and thus hebron and debir with the rich valley below became the inheritance of the great warrior of judah and was long after known by his name first samuel chapter twenty five verse three and chapter thirty verse fourteen two but the more general mode of dividing the conquered land in accordance with the divine instructions was by casting lots before the tabernacle at shiloh in the presence of joshua the high priest and the elders of the nation as the distribution of the tribes of reuben gad and the half-tribe of manasseh on the east of the jordan has been already described we may confine ourselves to those on the western side under the threefold division of a the south b the centre c the north a the south one the most southerly frontier was assigned first to judah but afterwards to simeon joshua chapter nineteen verse nine and is often called in scripture the south joshua chapter ten verse forty judges chapter one verse nine like reuben on the east of jordan simeon was destined to have little influence on the subsequent history to be divided in jacob and scattered in israel genesis chapter forty nine verses five to seven and to be constantly exposed to the attacks of the amalekites and other nomadic tribes on its frontier compare first chronicles chapter four verses thirty nine to forty three two next to simeon on the north was the territory of the lion tribe of judah comprising the undulating pasture country of the south 
the fertile lowland of the west, the hill fortresses of the centre, and the wild desert bordering on the Dead Sea. Part of his inheritance was fertile and covered with cornfields and vineyards. Genesis chapter 49 verse 11. Part was a wild country, the lair of savage beasts, where amidst caverns, ravines, and mountains, Judah, true to the description and the blessing of Jacob, could stoop down and couch as a lion, guarding the southern frontier of the promised land. 3. Northeast of Judah was the warlike little tribe. Psalm 68, verse 27, 1 Samuel, chapter 9, verse 21, of Benjamin, famous for its archers. 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 22, slingers. Judges, chapter 20, verse 16, and left-handed warriors. Judges, chapter 3, verse 15, and chapter 20, verse 16. Its territory was small, being hardly larger than the county of Middlesex, but its position was of great importance, containing numerous rounded hills which presented favourable sites for strong fortresses. It commanded the chief passes leading down from the central hills to the Jordan on the one side and the plains of Philistia on the other. In this broken and hilly country, the tribe became warlike and indomitable, ravening as a wolf. Genesis chapter 49 verse 27 4. Compressed into the narrow space between the northwestern hills of Judah and the Mediterranean was the tribe of Dan, containing within the 14 miles from Joppa to Ekron one of the most fertile tracts in the land, the cornfield and garden of southern Palestine. But for this rich prize it had to contend first with the Amorites, Judges chapter 1 verse 34, and afterwards with the Philistines, Judges chapter 14 and so on. And eventually, as we shall see, was obliged to seek a new home in the north. Judges chapter 18 verses 27 to 29. B. The Centre. The central portion of the Holy Land, the Samaria of after ages, was assigned to the two brother tribes of the house of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Of this territory, which may be roughly estimated at 55 miles from east to west and 70 from north to south, and which was about equal in extent to the counties of Norfolk and Suffolk combined. 1. The more southerly portion was assigned to Joshua's own tribe of Ephraim. It extended as far south as Ramah and Bethel, within a few miles of Jerusalem, and was rich in fountains and streamlets, in wide plains in the hearts of mountains, and continued tracts of vegetation, in cornfields and orchards, the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof, which the lawgiver invoked on the ten thousands of Ephraim. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 13 to 17. And of whose father Jacob had said that he should be a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. 2. And as the duty of guarding the northern outposts on the east of Jordan had been assigned to one half of the tribe of Manasseh, so to the remaining half on the west was assigned the duty of defending the passes into the great plain of Jezreel. Its territory stretched westwards to the Mediterranean and the slopes of Carmel, but did not quite reach the Jordan on the east. 
C. The North The northern portion of the Holy Land, the Galilee of after times, extending from the range of Carmel to the mountains of Lebanon, was assigned to four tribes, allied by birth, and companions on the desert march, Isaacar, Zebulun, Asher, and Naphtali. 1. The territory of Isaacar lay above that of Manasseh, and exactly consisted of the plain of Israelon, the Greek form of the Hebrew Jezreel, the seed plot of God. The luxuriance of this plain, the battlefield of Palestine, is the theme of every traveller. The soil yielded corn and figs, wine and oil, First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 40. The stately palm waved over the villages, and the very weeds to this day testify to its extraordinary fertility. Here Isaacar rejoiced in his tents. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Crouched down as the strong he-ass. Genesis chapter 49, verses 14 and 15. Used for burden and fieldwork, and saying that rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant to the tribute, which various marauders, Canaanites, Judges chapter 4, verses 3 and 7, Midianites, Amalekites, Judges chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Philistines, First Samuel chapter 29, verse 1, and chapter 31, verses 7 to 10, exacted, bursting through his frontier, open both on the east and west, and tempted by his luxuriant crops. 2. Immediately north of Isaacar was the allotment of Zebulun, extending from the Sea of Kenereth, afterwards the Lake of Gennesareth, on the east, towards the Mediterranean on the west. Besides the fertile plain near the fisheries of the lake, this tribe possessed the goings out, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 18, the outlet of the plain of Akka, where it could suck of the abundance of the seas. 3. The land of Naphtali, stretched from the Sea of Kenereth to the valley which separates the ranges of Lebanon and anti-Lebanon, and was one of the most densely wooded districts of the country. Its forests surpassed even those of Carmel, and the land has been described as a natural park of oaks and terebinths. Its soil also was rich and fertile, full with the blessings of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 23. 4. To the west of Naphtali, and resting on the seashore, was the lot of the tribe of Asher. It was an important position, including the creeks and harbours, Judges chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, on the coast, and commanding all approaches to Palestine from the sea on the north. Its soil was preeminently fertile, and well fulfilled the blessings of Jacob and Moses. Here Asher could dip his foot in the oil of his luxuriant olive groves, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 24, fatten on the bread, the fruit of his rich plains, and the royal dainties, Genesis chapter 49, verse 20, the produce of his vineyards and pastures, while for and under his shoes, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25, was the iron ore of Lebanon, and the brass, or copper, 
of the neighbouring Phoenician settlements. One tribe alone received no share in this allotment. Like Simeon, but in a different sense, the tribe of Levi was to be divided in Jacob and scattered in Israel. Genesis chapter 49 verse 7 Devoted to the service of the sanctuary and sacrificial and other ministrations, this tribe depended for its maintenance on the tithes of the produce of land and cattle. Numbers chapter 18 But besides this, from each tribe, four cities and their suburban pastures, or forty-eight in all, were set apart for it. And amongst these were included the six cities of refuge, three on each side of the Jordan. On the west, one, Kadesh in Naphtali, two, Shechem in Mount Ephraim, three, Hebron in Judah. On the east, four, Golan in Bashan, five, Ramoth-Gilead in Gad, six, Bezer in Reuben. The division of the promised land being thus concluded, and his own inheritance having been assigned to him at Timnath-Serah in Mount Ephraim, where he built a city and settled amongst the people he had led so prudently, Joshua summoned the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and having commended them for their bravery and fidelity, gave them his blessing, and bade them return to their own settlements beyond the Jordan. Joshua chapter 22 verses 1 to 6. Accordingly, these tribes departed, but while yet on the western side of the river, they set up a great altar, not indeed for burnt offering or for sacrifice, which could only be presented at the brazen altar of the tabernacle at Shiloh. Leviticus chapter 17 verses 8 and 9, Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 4 to 29 but as a standing witness to all generations, that though parted by that river, they were not sundered in religion or national interests from their western brethren. No sooner, however, was the erection of this altar announced to the other tribes than they assembled at Shiloh and made war upon their brethren, whom they deemed guilty of apostasy. But first they prudently resolved to send an embassy with Phinehas and ten princes at its head, to try the effect of a friendly expostulation. Phinehas accordingly set out and laid before them the complaint of their brethren. What trespass, he asked, was this of which they were guilty in building this altar? Had they forgotten the judgments the nation had incurred by their sin in the matter of Baal Peor, or the trouble the nation suffered in consequence of the trespass of Achan? What then did they mean by this turning away from following the Lord and exposing the whole people to his deserved wrath? Startled at this suspicion of faithlessness, the two tribes and a half reiterated the most solemn protestations of their innocence. The altar they had erected was not intended for any sacrificial purposes whatsoever. It was simply an altar of memorial, a testimony to future generations that they had the same part and lot in the interests of the nation as their brethren on the west of Jordan. Even the zealous Phinehas could not but be satisfied with this explanation. It was no apostasy or rebellion, but at the worst an error in judgment. And the embassy returned with the joyful intelligence that there were no grounds for a quarrel or an appeal to arms, while the two tribes and a half, having named the altar Ed, or a witness, 
continued their journey to their eastern homes, where they settled down in the territories assigned them by Moses. And now, at length, the land had rest. The tribes east and west of Jordan established themselves in the lands of the heathen, and inherited the labour of the people. Psalm 105, verse 44. Before long, Joshua, already stricken in age, became aware that the day was at hand when he must go the way of all the earth. Summoning, therefore, the tribes of Israel with their elders, their judges, and their officers, to Shechem, a spot consecrated by the remains of Joseph, Joshua chapter 24, verse 33, and the national acceptance of the blessings and cursings of the law, Joshua chapter 8, verses 30 to 35, he for the last time exhorted the nation to faithfulness to Jehovah. He reviewed their history from the day that their fathers dwelt on the other side of the Euphrates in the old time until now, when the Lord had given them cities which they builded not, vineyards and oliveyards which they planted not. The call of Abraham, the descent of Jacob into Egypt, the wonders of the Exodus, the desert wanderings, the conquest of the Amorites on the east of Jordan, of the Canaanites on this, all these great events in their history were reviewed, and then the aged chief solemnly bade them choose whom they would serve, Jehovah who had done so great things for them, or the gods of their fathers and of the nations in whose land they dwelt. Thereupon the people solemnly renewed the covenant they had before made on the same spot, and, as an abiding memorial of their promise, Joshua set up a stone pillar under a sacred oak of Abraham and Jacob, and wrote out the words of the covenant in the book of the law of God. Joshua chapter 24 verse 26. This done, he bade every man depart unto his inheritance, and shortly afterwards, at the age of 110, this devout, blameless, fearless warrior died and was buried in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Serah. Joshua chapter 24, verse 30. End of book 6, chapter 3.